the separation of church and state, uh, a concept that's often invoked and often misunderstood. Yeah, yeah, especially you heard a lot of it during the election cycle. Um, yeah. Not just secularists towing that separation of church and state line, but also um, Christians, which was kind of upsetting. You heard them, oh, you shouldn't be shoving your religion down the throats of people, and, and you shouldn't be involved in public policy making all those things and bringing yeah. your religion um, into it. So on the Feast of Christ the King, we thought it was a good topic to, to go at and to answer. So for a phrase that's so often invoked and quoted, you would think that like, wow, this comes from the Constitution or like the Declaration of Independence, you know, there shall be a separation. <laughs> but instead, you know, it turns out it comes from like an obscure letter. Yeah, an obscure letter that was just popularized uh, by, you know, Thomas Jefferson wrote this letter to a Baptist church and he has this quote in there where he says that there should be a wall of separation between the church and state. Yeah. Um, but there was like a wall of separation between <laughs> Thomas Jefferson and uh, the colonies at the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson is, is out of the country when the ratifying of the Constitution is happening and all the debates are happening. So he doesn't have much of a say. In, and actually, his vision for the Constitution and the First Amendment doesn't actually win out. Right. Yeah, because he, he, he's super, like, hopped up on, like, the French Revolution, right? And yeah. the French Revolution was very antithetical towards religion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But the founders put in place in the Constitution of the First Amendment the Establishment Clause. Right. That no religion, religion can be established. However, there ought to be the free exercise thereof. Yeah, so the vision of the colonies without Jefferson you know, having his way is that no, bring all of it to the table. Yep. Bring all of it to this. It's freedom of religion, not Absolutely. keep religion out of this right. while we have some secular conversation. Freedom of religion, not freedom all. from religion. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and that brings a good point, too, about the early uh, founders, e- even some of them who were atheists. You know, there, there are other people who, like John Locke who sort of moved towards agnosticism or atheism. Um, but they still, when it came to uh, building a polis, right, building uh, a political experiment, they would always still say that you need religion. You still yeah, they saw a value in it for its philosophical foundation, its even ethics, if, even its if morals. they privately right. like. And that's believe. different from yeah. the new atheism, right? Uh, yeah. So the new atheism wants to just rid itself of all of that and say, well, we can come up with those first principles just by rational, <laughs> just by humanism, it, right? Yeah. Not by revelation, <laughs> just by rationality. Yeah, yeah. Which is so that's that's one of the things that I think uh, you know people need to understand too is that when we move out of this sort of um, Catholic-dominated Europe into a more Protestant and then Enlightenment and we move on to a more humanistic uh, ethic in the West. Um, really what they're not outlawing things because they're moral or, or immoral, right? So so the, the, the humanist state doesn't outlaw something because it's immoral. Mm-hmm. They outlaw it because the majority of people want it to be outlawed. <laughs> whereas, whereas from a Catholic perspective, we come in with this, some objective moral standards. So we determine, no, that is, that is wrong. It's, it's, it's illegal because it's immoral, mm-hmm. right? So the original vision of the Establishment Clause is that religion is actually, ironically, the one running around and, and moving right. and shaking, even, even atheism moving and shaking, deism moving and shaking. And the state is kind of on the side right. doing its administrative work, Get right? out of the way, yeah. But I think today you have this situation where the state... Yeah. is taking over and religion is being pushed to the side. Yeah. Um, and the state is even taking over some of the the um, the services of religion, social services, all those types of things, mm-hmm. and saying, well, we don't need you anymore. Kind even of becoming an arbiter of morality in yeah. and of itself without any, inf- in, any information coming from religion. It's just right. itself meeting out what's wrong and what's right, what's well, just. Well, and of course, that's concerning because, unfortunately, Christians 
are are also taking that line. Yeah, they that they, they think that there is such thing as a separation clause. Yeah, and that they should keep their religion private. Yeah, they've adopted it, and and, and it's that's weird. not always been that's not the case. No, <laughs> and especially what's been most shocking is to see Catholics adopting it as well. You know, of all, like to, to see Catholics or Orthodox adopting it because that whole idea of sort of privatizing the Christian religion. That runs contrary to the entire sweep of Christian history. I can't and, imagine and, and there. I can't imagine there ever being a martyr if, <laughs> if, if if Christians were told to keep their religion private. I know exactly. And, and and if you look at like, I mean, starting out in creation in the book of Genesis, right? If you really want to start from the beginning, you know, you have Satan. You can almost read Satan's temptation to Adam and Eve as like wanting them to start to privatize their religious beliefs, like like coming up with their own ways of determining what's moral mm-hmm. and what's not. Whereas there was this objective command of God, don't eat it. You know, like, yeah. don't eat it. But then Satan's like, well, did God say that, though? And he's, he's, he's starting to get them to privatize their, their thoughts and, and their, their feelings about religion, right? Then you have the Jewish prophets. I mean, the Jewish prophets are, are prophesying about a king. <laughs> well, 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 even but even before you get there, God establishes the kingdom of Israel. Yeah. It's a theocracy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, was, was religion privatized? Right. The kingdom of Israel, right. right. But but then you have the prophets going double doubling down more more so because you can say, oh yeah, that was a thing for the kingdom of Israel. Not so. The prophets say, no, there's going to be a king who comes and he's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron, you know, and that's the great hope. You see, but I think I think when that king comes, when Jesus comes, I think a lot of Christians look at the nice Jesus. Yeah, they think that Jesus was kind of just a nice citizen, and, and he kept his religion private, and he he kind of spread it secretly, and yeah. that kind of thing. But we don't yeah. see that either in the New Testament. Yeah, that he was like the second uh, the second lead man of the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, this brings us to the earliest Christian confession. I mean, and this is it, folks. I mean, the earliest Christian confession is Jesus is Lord. Yep. Jesus is. Master, that word Lord was not that did not escape the Romans. No, nope. I mean, Kyrios was a term for the emperor. Yes, Kaiser <laughs> Kyrios. Like the idea was that 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 Caesar is Lord of heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. So when when the Christians were going around and saying Christ is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, that was de facto a political statement that yep, they were making. Absolutely, it was absolutely. A political well, even statement. even the word gospel or. Evangelism or evangelium. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evangelium was the good news issued from the emperor. Yeah. So the Christians are saying, no, no. There's new good news. There's a new event. Yeah, yeah exactly. there's a new event, evangelium. Yep, that's right. And and N.T. Wright is really good on this too because N.T. Wright has a point about the word pistis and how we or pistevo, pistevo how we um, actually translate which, which that is the word, word for faith. Yeah, because yeah, that word we usually will translate in our Bibles as faith, mm-hmm. right? And we've come to accept that, like you know that you know you're saved by faith apart from works and that none may boast and this kind of stuff. But what's interesting about that word, especially when it's used in the context of Jesus is Lord, mm-hmm. um, is that it takes on this political dimension. And so he people points out that what it really means is allegiance. Yeah, well, allegiance. Well, that brings up a, a point about sacraments, too. Uh, the word sacramentum in Latin originally <laughs> means oath. It was a yep. military term. Yeah. Right? So when we speak of the sacraments, we speak of taking oaths to the new kurios, the mm. new lord. Yeah. And this is why we see, like, whenever, um, whenever societies deviate from the this new evan- evangelium, this new law of God that, that has come... Um, the response of the apostles is always, we must obey God rather than men, mm-hmm. you know? But then what's really interesting is that whenever society um, or the culture seems to be uh, reinforcing God's law, 
then what does St. Peter say, right? In First Peter, he says, like, obey the governor, right? right. Because his duty is basically uh, for the, uh, the the punishment of wickedness advice. Right. And St. Paul says in Romans 13 that the government is actually at the service of God yeah. to protect the good. Right. So yeah. if, you, if you think about that in the context of a democracy, even more so should you as a Christian be involved in public policy and pu- being very public about your faith yeah. because you're there to promote the good. And right. you're actually in this government here in this in this United States, yeah. given the right to have that public voice. I know. Can you imagine being in like a foreign country, you know, like a developing country where they don't, like Christians don't have the freedom to right. speak, you know, to speak yeah. their mind about the faith without getting killed. And then they would like, you know, let's say they immigrate to America and they see a bunch of Christians saying, oh no, I keep my religion private. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we, again, you could look at Jesus for this. Yeah. Even in the, our father itself, what is he praying? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. There, there is no separation of kingdoms, right? There's one kingdom. And the, the goal of the Christian is to bring heavenliness to earth. And Jesus, when he, uh, when he's asked about Herod, Remember, he says, well, go and tell that fox. You know, he, he literally, I mean, he's, he's commenting very, that could get you killed right there. Well, he, well, he, well he, he was killed because he was political. Right. It wasn't just about the claim of uh, being God and blasphemy. It was because he was being political to a theocracy. Yeah. Right. Like, do you think the Romans cared that Jesus was, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> like that Jesus was claiming something about, no, they were like, well, what is he, he's claiming to be Lord? Like, yeah. he's claiming to be Messiah, King? Like, and, and frankly, I would say that Jesus did, in fact, shove his religion down people's throats. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of the great woes, we call them, in the, in the Gospels, where Jesus is, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has this list of things that they're doing wrong, right? He's not speaking to just private citizens when he's speaking to the Pharisees or the scribes or the Sadducees. He's speaking to the political leaders of That's the day. True. Yeah, It's not just the king that led Israel. It's the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees who ran the temple. Yeah. Those are the political leaders of the day. Right. And then even, and then right after Jesus, so after the death and resurrection of Christ, you see, well, what does the church do? How does the church handle this? I mean, the first thing you see is like St. Paul, right? He, he's being brought before like the local governor mm-hmm. and he's, and, and they're like, well, give, give your defense. He's like, okay. He starts preaching, Bro, the, gospel. preaching the gospel. <laughs> he tra- he's like, and then the guy even says, you know, Agri- Agrippa is it? He says yeah. like, what would you have me be a Christian too? <laughs> you know I mean? so, Good old Paul. Yeah. So, so even Paul, it's not, it doesn't escape the apostles either, mm-hmm. that this is, this is very, very, very politically charged. Mm. And, you know, Christians, especially in the early church, they always lived and continued to live afterwards as if they belonged to another kingdom with another king. Yep. And that's and that, but that why doesn't, they were hated. But see, that's the line. That doesn't mean privatization. That doesn't mean, oh, we're, we're part of heaven, so we don't participate right. in the public sphere. No, we're part of heaven, so we participate in the public sphere. Exactly. We, we, bring, we yep. bring the culture under Absolutely. the lordship of Jesus Christ, this new Lord, you know, who is Lord of heaven and earth. Um, in the epistle to Diognetus, right? So there's this, this very early document. He says uh, this great line. He says, for every Christian, uh, a motherland is a foreign country and every foreign country is his motherland. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so beautiful that, that, that perfectly encapsulates yep. what I'm talking about, where, you know, a Christian sees the whole earth as belonging to Jesus Christ. Well, right? well, but from that same letter though, he says that Christians are the soul of mm-hmm. of the earth or of the body of the, yeah. of the government the, right? yep yep that's right so we're not this is one thing too is that um i think modern christians they tend to think that we're like waiting for jesus to become king mm. 
I can't think of anything. I mean, not you know to their fault. It's, it's out of ignorance more than anything. But I'm just saying, like they, I can't think of anything more blasphemous to say that we're waiting for Jesus to become king. Jesus is king. He's king now. He is king yeah. right now. He, he. This is what Catholics call his social kingship. Mm-hmm. That he has a right to rule the nations. Right? Because that's why he died. Right. <laughs> he literally died to purchase the nations. So then to turn from that and speak directly to Catholics, right? Give, to give a word to Catholics about well, this topic. Actually, two words. <laughs> <laughs> Vehementer nos. Those are the two words you need to know. That is an encyclical written by Pope Pius X. Mm-hmm. And in this, he says that the separation of church and state, of course, in the radical like French and secularist way, the separation of church and state, he says, is a doctrine that is a most pernicious error. Yep. Right. Yeah, and, and all Catholics really should go read it. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it's a short it's a short encyclical and very readable. Uh, but there's four points that the Pope makes. Mm-hmm. And the first one is that God is not just the creator of man, but he's the creator of societies. And therefore, what is due to him is not just a private cult, but a very public cult. Yeah. I actually love how he says it. He says that uh, he deserves a public and social worship. It's Absolutely. Like so beautiful. Yep. Yeah. The, other, the second point is that too much of a separation between church and state actually limits the state in what they can do. Yeah, it limits the whole scope of the state. Exactly. Because now it's just... The state is then focused on the welfare of the body, whereas the church wants to focus on the welfare of the soul. Yeah. Right? The ultimate good. Yeah. And not just the body. Yeah, and the whole purpose of a state is is to to make it easy for people to approach the good. Yep. To approach the good and to flourish. Yeah. So so that means that the church and the state actually have a... a, They should have a common goal in mind. Well, that's, that's the third point, is that both church and state do have things in common. Yeah. And and since you have things in common, you ought to work together. When you separate those two things out, you begin to speak a different language yeah. and you start to disagree on first principles. Yeah. And that's where I think we find ourselves more and more increasingly in, in America. Yeah, because then salvation uh, from a secular state's point of view without the church involved yep. is, is kind of like a, like a, a social salvation. And that's, that's probably why you get like, um, you know, Capitalist secularists and socialist secularists are all battling in the streets over yep. which way is right because, but they both have the wrong notion that what will save you is your economic status. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, and that's where socialism, Marxism, that's where they get it wrong. The premise is wrong. Yeah. The fourth point is that the church reigns supreme mm-hmm. when it comes to understanding the dignity and the rights of men. Yeah. And so a, a state without the church is going to get that wrong. It's going right. to betray the dignity and the rights of men. Yeah. Yeah. So just to close, I mean, um, the, the Jewish people, whenever they pray, they start their prayers with um, calling God Melech HaOlam, mm-hmm. right? It's this beautiful thing. It, it means... It means king of the universe. <laughs> We're talking about Jesus being king of all the nations. They say king of the universe. And for us Christians, that's Jesus. Jesus is the king of the universe. God is summing up all things in Christ. And so there's no way that we can privatize Jesus' kingship or his lordship over all things that are due to him. 